You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. And this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season, so you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 42, and Andy is back with me today, and we are going to be discussing uh, the New York Rangers, and you know, if this podcast has a little bit of a theme to it, it's going to be almost a eulogy on my end, because the season seems to be over, but not mathematically. So before we get into everything, I got to ask Andy. Andy, how are you doing? Uh, sobering feeling as we start this pod. The dream is pretty much dead of the Rangers making the postseason. They, they made it interesting down the stretch, which was kind of all you could ask for. But uh, once again, like I, I use the word sobering, they face the sobering reality of playing a team that is playoff ready, playoff structured uh, on their game. and. They had no answers. Um, we'll go into it in greater detail as we break that game down. But uh, yeah, I just think it was a, a reminder for everyone, for even for all the positives and the the scoring prowess this team has displayed, and the development and the strides that some of the players, younger players, took. And uh, yeah, it just kind of goes to show that realistically, with their timetable, 
it kind of shows you, oh, you know, maybe they aren't as close as we thought. But um, I don't know if and whether or not that's a good or bad thing. That's I guess that's lies and whoever it's up to whoever is making that determination. But um, yeah, but it's obviously so I, I just keep using the word sobering because it's just like, oh, yeah, this team is can still uh, not show up in big games and can still disappoint and can still uh, just show how green and far away they are. So. But yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, and you know, sobering is actually a pretty good word to use, Andy, because I was actually thinking about like this whole NHL season and really the last month. And, you know, there were times where I, you know, obviously doubted the Rangers and I said they were out. And I mean, that part of me was, you know, correct. But then, you know, they they did things where they made me believe in them again. But now, now I feel like I, it's, I have a hangover. I have a New York Rangers hangover. And I kept on drinking the Kool-Aid and believing and believing. And then you play the New York Islanders who are going to be competing for a Stanley Cup. And it's almost like reality just smacks you in the face and saying like, you know, you know, you're not as good as you thought you were. This is actual real competition. And, you know, and I should have known because I kept on harping about how easy the Rangers schedule is, you know, for the next month. And if they can just get, you know, to a certain point, maybe they can pull it off. And, you know, the success of the New York Rangers was driven on a, you know, on a um, uh, schedule that was, you know, fairly easy, you know, playing the New Jersey Devil four times in a row, playing, you know, the Buffalo Sabres. And the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, a lot in that little little bunch and, and beating up on those teams. And and that was great. And we had some unbelievable moments. But, you know, if the schedules flipped and we were playing the Islanders, Capitals and Pittsburgh and Boston, you know, maybe we would have had a stretch where, you know, we went, you know, two and 13 instead of that, you know, you know, 13 and two. It felt like we were went on and gained zero points. So. Yeah, sobering is a perfect word to put it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, bummed out right now, and I know you know before we you know clicked uh, record on this podcast, we were talking about whether or not we'd watch the Islander game uh, this evening uh, as we were recording this on a Saturday morning. Um, and Andy, you, you know, you said you know, are are you going to be watching this game you know this afternoon? Well, I probably against my better judgment, I might at least try to tune in because Morgan Barron finally gets called up. Um, you know, and I think my biggest one of my biggest uh, complaints this season has been that they've this team has tried to have their cake and eat it too at times, which I guess is fine. But at the same time, there's other aspects where they were, you know, we've seen players not getting younger players not getting minutes because they're they're trying to get into the postseason and it's like Morgan Barron has been killing in the AHL this year uh the Rangers fourth line has been uh absolute steaming dog shit all year you're telling me you had to wait till the final you know what uh five or six games of the season to to let this guy uh you know come into your lineup Tarma Reunanen uh, also comes back up after having a, a pretty good showing in one game, and then they just send him back down. He's been great in the AHL this year. Same thing. And I do know there is something to be said about letting guys just who are having success just continue to stay where they're at and build upon, especially if it's their first season. Like, I get that. But at the same time, it's like you just know with this 
revolving cast of, uh, you know, I don't know, competent bums the Rangers have had in their, their bottom six recently, you know, minus Kravtsov, obviously, uh, that, yeah, that it's like, if these are your future and they, they seem that they're ready to the test, they should, you know, you obviously you want to give him a cup of coffee, but at the same time, it's like, it goes to show what, it, you know, if he looks, Morgan Barron looks really good and gives that line some, some actual jump or some finish, you know, I mean, you could, then you're start asking yourself, well, what if he was here all month or how would that have, you know, helped the Rangers or hurt them or, you know, um, you know, obviously it's, it's, I do, we bag on the kid all the time, but you know, sucks for Brett Howden, um, for, you know, he's, his season's over, you know, I think he, what he, something with his foot. I think he fractured his foot, which, yeah, which sucks because he was the only one who was really, he's one of the only people who was actually trying that Islander game and, you know, God bless him. He just does not, not a very dangerous or skilled player. So it's just, yeah, you know, so that's, that sucks. You feel bad for the kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to me considering that I think everyone knows some of the glaring holes on this team. One is that third pairing on D right now. The other is the, that bottom line. Cause you know, even though for as much effort as they give or how, how, how much it looks like they're moving their legs on the ice, they still, you know, goals get scored when they're out there and they don't convert on their chances and all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting to me that it's like now we're finally going to get to to see these guys considering at other points the only way some of the younger guys have drawn into this lineup like your Zach Jones it's like I guess either hands were forced or uh yeah, so I don't know. It, it just this this year they the Rangers want to make it be about competing and acclimation and I don't necessarily think that was the wrong idea, but it's just weird how some sometimes they would have that edict, but then other times they would kind of big brain themselves and says, "No, we can't. This person will will, will only hurt us because they have to get up to speed and all this other stuff." You know, whereas Zach, what took Zach Jones? You know, not that he doesn't have things to work on; he clearly does. But you know, he's made more plays with the puck than uh, you know Batetto or Hayek have this season, or at least in the offensive zone, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a really good point because. You know, if you look at the you know the New York Rangers and how they're built, there's certainly room for improvement in, uh, you know, different areas of the lineup, and and one of those was obviously the fourth line, and you know, I think the the problem with the New York Rangers and the problem with David Quinn is that playing time was based on uh, effort a lot of the time, and you can't knock the fourth line for not giving effort because I feel like. Whoever they threw down there, whether that was Blackwell at some times, you have Rooney, you had Lemieux, um, you have Howden. Like those guys did work hard and they tried hard. And there were, you know, a few games where, you know, that those guys kind of, you know, uh, lifted, uh, you know, the spirits of the New York Rangers in terms of effort and heart and creating chaos. And, you know, that's great. But, you know, you look at the New York Islanders and, and, you know, we're going to keep comparing the Rangers to the Islanders because I think it's, it's, clear that there's two teams that are you know let's see now about eight seven points in difference in the standings but what a difference those seven points are and you know you you look at their style of play you look at their depth in their lineup you look how each line uh has a role in the new york islanders and you know the rangers you know they got by you know they got by on effort they got by on 
players stepping up like Fox and Panarin and, and even Strom and, and Zibanejad in the second half of the season. <clears throat> and then you take a look at the New York Islanders where it's like, yeah, they have Barzell and they have, you know, they have, you know, uh, Bell. Uh, I can't even say his name. It's a French Bellevier, Bellevier or so, whatever. Bou- I, Bouvier, yeah. And, you know, you, look at, you know how he's contributed this year to their lineup and, you know, they have their, their guys, right. Brock Nelson and, but you know they're not it's not a sexy roster and you know they just get the job done and they have you know the the uh the fourth line led by matt martin this year who's kind of having a breakout year in terms of his goal scoring ability which is funny um that <laughs> yeah. being you know boomer Esiason's uh you know son-in-law and you know playing for his arch nemesis the new york islanders so um yeah it's just like andy you know these teams are very close in the standings and you feel like you can just you're just right there you're right on their coattails but then they you know they play each other and it's just like wow this is how an nhl nhl team is actually built that's that wants to compete for a stanley cup um you know is is this just a fourth line thing or is this just a a cultural thing uh you know a coaching thing like what's the why is the gap so big but yet so small in the standings uh, I think it's a combination of those things. I think I don't think it's one thing or the other. I think um, a, a bunch of it does fall on David Quinn. Uh, this team has been inconsistent. There are times where they do have their forecheck going, but I mean, his record in, in must-win big games is not very good. And if anything, his teams look worse. It's not like they just kind of have mistakes and breakdowns. They always look like nerves are getting to them. And you know, that's something you have to deal with as a coach, whether it's just give a mandate of like, you know, if you, I think we all out of the gate from that Islander game saw that Panarin and, and Mika were kind of shrinking violets with the the closed tight checking and the physicality. If anything, you know, that's a game where early on, maybe you do, I, I can't believe I'm saying this is like, maybe you do double shift, you know, or not double shift, but you, give more shifts to your your lower lines that are actually getting the puck behind them and doing the work and actually getting set up because clearly they were there that that they weren't getting anything done in transition like they like to and that's the thing they 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 love to do the get to the boards and do the blind pass to the you know back on their backhand into the slot hoping someone can get a stick on it mm-hmm. and that's just a waste of a possession if no one's there it's great when you know someone's there but the Islanders are, were so on their toes that they they was we were literally just feeling their breakouts. And just you know, ne- there was never any puck support. And if anything, I would show those those guys early. It's like if you want to keep playing on the perimeter and trying to make plays, like you're not going to play tonight. So you have to get inside and you have to make life difficult. Panarin, I thought, started to get more involved, which was good. But that's totally not his style. And Strom was still like ha- hanging out on the other side of the rink, like, "Are you going to get me the puck yet?" You know, <laughs> which is right. And you know, which is, and I, I spoke about this. Up. Yeah. And I, I spoke about this, you know, two podcasts ago where I do feel like they have a decision to make where at least where it's great that this team has so much skill, but right now, I mean, as it stands, they're kind of a regular season team, you know, it's just, and how do they, they can make that transition. Cause obviously the kids have had success. Kako and he'll look very dangerous. He loves to get inside. You know, even Lafreniere is not afraid of just getting, you know, in front of the net. And so I, there's promise there that they can play maybe a side that's a little bit more inside hockey, which is great. Because um, as much as I love Panera and Mika for the highlight reels and all that, it's a lot of it is 
skill or off the stretch. And those those are guys that can definitely be on your team and win. But at the same time, they're not if they're the ones that have to lead the way. If anything, you want them cashing in after the rest of your team is like, you know, just <laughs> creating uh, disarray and havoc in the, you know, in the interior between the circles, you know, and that's just not what this team is, looks like yet. But I do have a feeling they will definitely, if anything, I think this just kind of after what happened in the bubble, I do have a feeling that uh, JD will and uh, Jeff will probably will probably look to transform the makeup of this team even further. And I do think that will involve training someone, you know, whether it's a Strom or a Buchnevich. Um, Cause I think, you know, I think they see that and now they look at, you know, I think I, I would imagine they were in on uh, Sam Bennett when he was traded from Calgary. I think maybe they thought the price could have been a little too steep for them. Cause what he was like a second and a prospect, like Emil Haneman. And I understand. Cause it's like for the Rangers, it, it, that could have been one of, uh, if I'm them, you know, you're not asking for like a top flight prospect, but they're not probably not asking for crafts off. But at the same time, they could have asked for, uh, I don't know, like a Zach Jones, you know, or who they have these kids have potential. So they just didn't want to do it. But then now you look at how he finally goes to a team that has skill and he's inserted his grittiness in that lineup. And now he's got I think I think he's got like uh 12 points in his in his last you know in the, in the 10 games God. since he's been he got sent to florida and just being giving them exactly what they need because you know they were kind of another team that was always like a bit of a country club type team you know but you have barkov you have skill and now he just gives a whole new dimension that will help them be successful in the postseason especially if they're going to go up against tampa in like the first round so um so yeah and i i do think the rangers are gonna slowly start to try to uh, develop in that direction, you know, uh, kind of like when Tampa did when they got uh, they got swept by CBJ. They kind of realized what they were, how they were structured, and how they were, and they changed up how they were playing a little bit too. So you have to wonder: Does the edict come down on Quinn to to maybe lean on these guys more? Because that's the thing I never really understood: is that as someone who is such an effort guy and seems to love his fourth lines, he doesn't really he kind of gives carte blanche to Panarin and, and and to his stars to kind of play how they want to play and I can understand that but at the same time it's I think it's it's they're worse off for it in the long run uh I think he needs to now's the time he needs to kind of lean on them or at least say like listen like you know you we have to we have to develop some more structure here we have to have and I listen maybe it's beyond him he's not we all know he's not the big, best X's and O's coach but uh but yeah, I mean, this team, these teams that are competing for a Stanley Cup should not be effort and transition. You're going to get crushed that way because exactly. No, exactly. These teams play systems in which they they suffocate you. They don't allow you to transition with speed. They don't allow you to transition with numbers. And, you know, one on one, the Rangers, you know, I know they have some skilled players, but they're not they don't have enough skilled players. They don't have right now. They don't have the turn and burn players. Uh, in, in the skill positions. Like, it's one thing if you have, you know, uh, McKinnon and Rantanen that are just elite or a McDavid that can turn and go and, and create something all by himself and create scoring chances. But, you know, number one, even if you did have those th- uh, those players, it's not sustainable to do that, you know, 82 games yeah. a season and, and, and be successful in the playoffs. So you, yeah, you got to be I... able to... I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, 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 no. Well, I was gonna. I was just gonna say, and I think to your point, I think the Rangers because they're almost they're almost a victim of their own skill level because they have all these guys that can make plays that it's like they barely work it back to the point when they're set up in the zone. Uh, they're always just trying to create instead of where we saw with the Islanders. They were like, you know, because if you have a, a Adam Fox, he's going to try to deke to open a lane for a shooting lane, or even a Miller might try to do that too, or get you know uses skating to get around. When they're just like, no, we're just going to blast low slap, keep getting it back to the point. We're going to blast low slap shots. You know, def- rebounds going to be going everywhere. Our guys are going to be on their toes. They're going to be the first to get to it, and we're basically just going to tire the other team out because they're always going to be puck watching and trying to get to the pucks and losing those races that we're ready to win. And lo and behold, it just it chips away, chips away, chips away. And then they keep just collapsing and collapsing and collapsing all game. And then they get burned. And that's just, you know, that's, that's kind of will versus skill. It's a, you know, it's a Quinn was saying, and you know, I think we all agree it is a mindset and the Rangers clearly didn't have it, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's obviously partially on them, but that's also partially on you. What do you mean? Like, you know, you've had, you knew this should have been the mindset going into this season. And, you know, I give them credit for how they've improved their penalty kill and their their defensive habits, but they need more of, yeah, they need more of a structured offense, this team, especially because it's like they're still kind of breaking out on their backhands all the time, which I really can't stand. They don't have like. I totally. Yeah, agree. I just don't. Well, because it's at- like I. I and sorry, I just want to finish my point. I just, you know, it's this whole, like I said, I think it goes back again to victim of skills. Like just because you can do something this way because you're so skilled and you can, that other teams can't. Don't, you know, don't let it, don't let it, you know, tell you that it's the only way. It's almost like, I, if anything, I'd rather this team play more, with more structure. And then when shit just finally breaks down because you've either overwhelmed or overloaded your opponent, then you can, you know, start freestyling with all that skill you have. Uh, they, there needs to there has there has to be a happy medium for this team because right now I think they're still still trending too much towards the using their skill and kind of free license and I, I just I, I think we can see that it's not gonna recipe there's not gonna have success unless they find a way to be more consistent play with more structure. What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benners Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on this show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The show started out with uh, basically... A beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. Listen, and we never really questioned effort that much. Like, honestly, all season long, you really didn't question effort, whether or not, you know, some guys are working hard. Of course, we had those collapses in the in the beginning of the season where we started off with absolutely zero effort. But, you know, lo and behold, you know, the Rangers kind of figured things out. I think some players kind of figured things out. Mika Zibanejad, you know, got going. He got hot. And Aaron, you know, it took him a few games, but they, he got hot. So they were able to, you know, kind of lead the way. And, you know, you had effort guys like Colin Blackwell and, and Kevin Rooney for sure. But um, there's got to be a purpose with everything you do. And it can't just be, you know, throw the puck in deep, skate as hard as you can, try to go get it. 
and uh, throw it out. If you, and when you do get it, throw it out in the middle and hope and pray that there's someone there. And or if not, then it squirts out to a point. They just shoot the puck. Like there's got to be a little bit more purpose. There's got to be cycling. You got to break down the other your your opponent's defensive system, and even in the defensive zone, like your breakouts have to be different. Like sometimes your D need to be able to skate the puck out, especially against the Islanders. It can't always be throw the puck up the boards. The other guy gets it and flicks it out. You know how many times there was, I mean, it's great to get the puck out of the zone, but the, I couldn't even count how many, I lost track of trying to count how many times the Rangers get the puck on their own boards and flick the puck out and just give it right back to the Islanders D. And, and you're saying like, oh, they successfully got it out. But this is what the Islanders want. They want you to t- keep turning the puck over constantly in your zone. And and the Rangers did nothing about it. Like, there was no, all right, I threw the puck up the boards. I got to read that I need to, you know, you know, start, you know, timing that play. So maybe there's a bump back to me and I'm, you know, skating out of the zone with speed with the puck and then come up as a, you know, a four, you know, you know, four man unit with one guy back and try to create something that way. There was just nothing like the Rangers constantly just did the same thing over and over again. They gave, you know, the Islanders the puck, you know, too many times. They were just so easy to play against and so easy to defend because they were just so predictable. And, you know, you can predict effort. You can predict what they were going to do with the puck, wherever they got it on the ice. And for a coach like Trotz and a team as, you know, that has the veteran leadership that has, you know, NHL guys, you know, through their lineup and, and on the back end, you know, it was just an easy game for them to play. And the Rangers have just been easy for the Islanders to play against for the last three games. And it's and it's kind of disturbing that no changes have been made. I mean, Quinn, like, obviously this game plan isn't working. And I said this earlier on in the season that it would be very interesting to see how these coaches create game plans for specific teams because you play them so many times. And, you know, it seems like Trotz has figured this team out. Um, he knows what Quinn is going to be doing with the with the structure of how, you know, everything is built. And he knows that, listen, you're going to have to weather the storm against the Rangers in terms of their effort. They're going to try, but ultimately they're going to accomplish absolutely nothing and they'll, you know, create turnovers and scoring chances and we'll just feast on those because, you know, eventually this team, you know, with their inexperience on the back end, with some of their younger guys, it, the dam will break and, you know, and we'll be able to take advantage of it. Um, Andy, so, you know, I, I'm looking at the lineup right now um, with the way things are on daily faceoff. It's kind of crazy, this lineup now. It's, uh, we have, I'm going to read it to you, Andy. So we have Zibanejad with Lafreniere and Bucinevich. That's no surprise. You have Strom, Panarin, and Kraftsoff which is a little bit of a surprise because I thought Kako might be playing that second-line role. But uh, do you think Kravtsov deserves, you know, playing second-line minutes with, you know, Panarin and Strom? I, I do. I think he, he's finally here. He hasn't played as many minutes as everyone else. Let him get his minutes, especially... You know, you've had him doing the fourth-line thing, which is good, and he's shown that he's got... Uh, he's way above... His playoff is that his his forecheck ability and his play away from the puck is way beyond. I'd say it's better than Kako and Lafreniere's is currently. Although Kako has turned into a definitely, at least in terms of you know his takeaway ability, uh, like in transition has become a good two way guy. But just you know the in terms of the effort and using his skating to negate chances against uh, 
Kraftsoff is clearly beyond. So I think he's got that down. So yeah, let him, before you pigeonhole him and, and start developing him as an energy guy, he's clearly one of the most skilled players on the ice. Let him develop, continue to develop that skill, you know, put him with Panarin and Strom. Uh, like you know, we've seen him and Panarin hook up a few times this season, right? Or, or not, not, it hasn't come, nothing's come from it, but you've seen them make, he's made a few passes where Panarin's like, I can't believe he just got that back to me, you know? And I think Panarin's even said, he's like, Vitaly is like very smart. He might be a smarter player than me, which is, I'm sure he's just, you know, trying to pump the kid's tires. But I also think there's an element of, you know, real, you know, real recognizes real. And he understands that like this kid also has like underrated vision, probably from what we see, maybe his, uh, facilitating skills aren't as good as a, a Panarin or a Lafreniere, but at the same time, he does have great vision and he can make some plays, you know, behind the back passes and bank passes and little chip passes that, you know, so we'll see. I let him, yeah, I think it's, he deserves to play some top six minutes consistently. Okay. And all right. I, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. It's, uh, you know, he's one of those kids that, you know, he kind of, when he stepped up, he stepped in, and it was pretty much seamless, his transition to the NHL game, which was great to see. Um, all right, third line, they have Heedle centering Blackwell on the left and Kako on the right. Um, um, you know, not not really surprising there, but, you know, Kako and Heedle, you know, I, I do see a little bit of chemistry with them when they do play, although I do think Kako should, you know, have spent uh, last game on the second line. Um, and, and not with the quote unquote kid line and, and having Blackwell up uh, on the second. Sorry, say that again. No, I'm sorry. No, I was saying, you know, they have uh, Heedle centering Kako and Blackwell, which is not a surprise with the way the lineup is built and without a Kreider. Um, I, do, yeah. I do think, though, that Kako should have been playing second line uh, last game instead of Colin Blackwell. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, sometimes you got to put your horses together and uh, and and stop spreading the line the lineup up and down. No, I I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, will we see Julian Gauthier again this season? I'm not sure. I don't know what the, what the, I don't know what the, what that's all about. You know, well, as right now, the <laughs> daily faceoff. Well, it's funny that you asked that. Daily faceoff has Kevin Rooney centering Morgan Barron and Julian Gauthier, the goat good he should at least play like because you know he can at least do something with his speed that's another thing this rangers yeah, team about this likes too. to play off the we yeah this rangers team likes to play off the rust excuse me off the rust off the rush but they're not a particularly fast team they have fast players but they don't play fast but they still like to play off the rush which is very very interesting to me so it kind of you know hampers their forecheck it's like you know, obviously, he a guy like Heedle uses his speed great on the forecheck, and it really works for him, right? Uh, Kreider, when he feels like it. Um, Zibanejad likes to come up this the the they, he likes to come up dice with speed, but it's not like dump it and just skate as fast as you can. He just kind of likes to carry it, and and again, nothing wrong with that. But I feel like this team would be better if they had a little bit more of like that Tampa third line element, where it's just you just have a line that's absolutely gonna like get it in and work you you know so right um but yeah um and yeah they don't get a lot of odd man rushes either which is funny because even a you know i i'm thank god every day we don't have av as a coach but say what you would about his stupid like stretch the ice system but the range got a lot of odd man rushes you know and right and they and they played with speed they were fast teams even if their players themselves weren't that fast he just made the, the team speed was much faster with him 
you know, for better or for worse, you can say, but I, you know, there's always things you can grab from here and there and just examine why, why did this work? Why were we good at this? Why are we bad at that? You know, and it's kind of trying to find the balance or at least address these areas and improve, you know? So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy Gauthier is finally going to get, cause like why, you know, he could have been, he could have been playing over a, a, a D Giuseppe or a Rooney or a Howden all season, even if just rotating in and he hasn't been playing. Like, I just don't get it. Like, well, I, we I, had this conversation I, and, and, yeah. you know, I, I, I want to bring it up since, you know, you, you know, we kind of brought it up, uh, you know, uh, just, all right, here's my thing. Can the kid play defense? I don't know. I guess that's the question mark you, you, you had that maybe Quinn doesn't believe that he can play uh, a solid defensive game against a team like the New York Islanders. But at the same time, it's like, what does this kid have? He's got size. He's got work ethic and he likes driving the puck and controlling the puck along the boards. And he can, he's willing to drive to the net and take chances that way. Like he's everything the Rangers needed in that lineup um, against the New York Islanders. And we didn't put him in. And I thought, you know, I thought Quinn was nuts not to play the GOAT. And it just goes to show you, it's like when you play a team like the Islanders where, you know, eventually your effort just doesn't accomplish anything and it's frustrating to watch and it looks like the Rangers are putting forth no effort. It's just that the Rangers don't really have substance to that effort. When you have a player like Gauthier who's got this size and skating ability and the speed to kind of, you know, dictate things on on his own in the offensive zone, I think you should have played him. Uh, you never know what, like, and he's and he's always willing to throw pucks on net, too, anywhere he is. And they're, and they're not the best shots on the, in the world, but, you know, against a team like the Islanders, man, you throw, throw a puck on net and you get a weird <coughs> bounce, you get a fluky goal. And, you know, how many times, especially, you know, Rooney, how many goals did Rooney score off, like, fluky plays in front of the net and he just is there to bury it home? Like, I feel like that's how that guy scores. So yeah. I, I, you could have had a fourth I, line against the Islanders. Yeah, I guarantee you if this team had never traded Jesper Fast, he would have had a goal last night. It might have been the only goal they had, but he probably would have yeah. had it, <laughs> you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, it's funny because they're probably, that's now going to be the type of player because they kind of see what they have in their kids or at least they're like, all right, there's something here or they're going to develop in this direction or they're like, they can't play here or they don't do this well or whatever. That now you're going to see like we've talked about it before that there will be a, an overpayment for a guy that is like their value is only really apparent, you know, in terms of their, their stabilizing defensive uh, efforts they bring to teams and, and chipping in hard work goals. You know what I mean? So it's like, it might seem like an overpay, but then it's like, you're just better to ha- better for having them, even though maybe on paper, they are not a, for the players are traded for. Maybe they're, they have less potential or whatever, like a, a Jesper Foss type, uh, an Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg or, you know, um, and like an Alexander Wenberg or something from Columbus, you know? So, um, and yeah, which is kind of funny, you know, our, what were our two episodes ago, it was called skill versus will. And I, you know, I just think it's how it's, how do you, how, yeah, it's like you have to find a way to kind of consolidate the two and it's difficult. It's definitely difficult to do because, like you said, it's a lot of times it involves things that fans, especially because fan bases can be so finicky. They'll say, like, we need you to go 
you know, we need to be harder to play against. It's like, all right, well, we traded for for this guy. We traded a good prospect for like this guy. And they're like, oh, you know, they overpay. They got highway robbery. Like this guy's a bum. He's an idiot, you know, and it's tough. And it's but it's it's like one of those things where it's like on paper, like even though it's like a team looks worse on paper, that they end up being better, even though a guy is like older or slower or just can't. But he's just knows, like you said before, the Islanders are filled with guys who've been in the league and know how to play a system and know how to be a role player and they're better for it. Andy Green can even though he's old as dirt and slow can play in that system and they can be and he can be a, a, a you know a, a a good cog in the machine, you know. And the Rangers are definitely not cogs. I don't know what you'd call them. <laughs> right now the Rangers are kind of like one of those um Rube Goldberg machines right now where it takes a lot a long time just to do like make the little like bird pop out or or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of a lot of needless, uh, you know, almost you know, on the border borderline borderline superfluous uh, puck movement and action just to have a play come together, you know, because they got so much skill and they like to show it off. But and you know, I, obviously, it's like the situation has had me thinking a lot about um, the Rangers teams of the past pr- prior to the rebuild, which was kind of like the opposite. Is like we had those guys. Right. But just we you didn't have any of the guys with the potential we have now. You know, we didn't have the skill we have now. We didn't have you know, we didn't we didn't have seventy plus point players. Everyone was like a you know, we had a bunch of guys that were close to fifty or hell yeah. even sixty in a good year. And but you had Lundquist and you had vets on the back end. So even when they were falling like off, they were still making the postseason with, you know, Girardi and Stahl and uh you know, then you have competent guys come in and out between, you know, Strawmans and your, uh, yeah, your Strawmans and your, your, your Holdens and all these other guys, you know? So it's just like, uh, and then you obviously had, you had a horse like McDonough. So it's just, yeah, it's just interesting to see. It's like, wow, it's like teams that on paper, you're like, you look at this Rangers team now, and you're like, this is clearly a better team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe in 2026, 20, it's a better team. But as the, their youth now and what their development experience level, especially in the postseason, maybe for guys like uh, Zabanajad and Buchnevich, it's like, are they? You know, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting to me. And yeah, that's why, you know, I, I do think that there's, uh, we're going to, I think we're, we're going to see something this summer that really surprises people in terms of a guy that gets moved um, or, and who he gets moved for, you know, where it might be like, this is, you know, it's like, why did the Rangers do this? But, and they ultimately end up better for it, even though it's just like, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of questions. And and the one silver lining, I think in all of this down the stretch, right. You know, one day James thinks, you know, the Rangers are making the playoffs the next day, you know, he thinks that they're going to be drafting first overall. So, (laughs) But the one thing that I really haven't brought up and we haven't really spoke about, which is a really good thing, in my opinion, is that we don't really talk about Igor that much. And I think that's a, a good thing. Like the fact that he's not oh, stealing yeah. games for us, but he's not losing games for us. And that's kind of really, I think, what any smart Ranger fan would be happy about because, you know, we went from Henrik Lundqvist, who is an all time great goalie for the NHL. And, you know, probably the best in New York Rangers history, although he didn't get a Stanley Cup, so that nod has to pretty much go to Richter. Um, But, you know, ultimately, you know, for the Rangers to sit here, you know, in the the year following the the oust of Henrik Lundqvist, to not really talk about a goalie issue 
is is a huge relief. And you know, I hope Ranger fans, you know, you know, thank God that we you know don't have a goalie problem on top of a developing team because you know finding a goalie and finding a goalie that can go in in the net day in and day out and and feel like he's giving you sixty solid minutes is is rare in the NHL. I mean. I mean, the goalie position is important. It still is. And, you know, you look at the teams that, you know, I think you said it best, Andy. You know, a, your goalie isn't a problem until it's a problem. And, you know, the Rangers have been so fortunate in the goalie department. And, you know, for year one without Henrik Lundqvist in the locker room, I think you, you have to give, you know, Igor and, you know, Georgie at least a, a B plus. And not making it an issue has been huge for the New York Rangers. No, I, I absolutely agree, and I, I still th- see like pockets of this fan base complain because you know he's not Hank, and he's like they're like, oh well, he's you know because you, all you honestly in this Hank's league like you need goaltending. Cons- well, yes, yes, but you need it's like you know the pro. I think if anything, they f- there's people that's and wrongly so see the fact that Igor like Igor is a guy who might give up, you know one. Maybe uh, he should have had a goal every uh, three or four games, but he is consistently, he seems like he's going to be like hover right around a 930, maybe a little under sometimes, maybe a little over, you know, Uh, he's going to give you like the goaltending you need to win. You know, he's going to give you very consistent goaltending, so you're not going to have to really worry about it. It's like workable, whereas he's not going to have the crazy variances where he's going to have games where he's just flat out bad. But you know, everyone's going to say, well, oh, he can't make the big save or like he can't do this or, you know, because for Lundqvist, even when he was uh, down the stretch, you know, of his career in the uh, here, you know, he would still occasionally come up with like that was a, a must save goal. I mean, and Igor does that, too, but he almost makes it look very he makes saves look easy sometimes. You know what I mean? You just kind of take it for granted. So, you know, they'll, they'll still find ways to complain about his performance. But you're absolutely right. This is they don't need this team has enough, uh, you know, identity, you know, who am I issues. They don't need one behind, you know, between the pipes, but they don't because Igor has been, you know, consistent. And I think it's just a sign that he should be for the next few years for this team. He should be a consistent goaltender, especially because we know like Carter Hart was they said he was going to win. He could win the Calder, you know, this year. And instead, he had a a terrible season. Goaltending is is a mentally is a very frustrating position we saw Georgiev struggle early on but he rebounded nicely Igor has never since he's gotten here he hasn't really had his struggles like you can maybe he started those two games slow early in the season uh but and he got hurt for that portion but that was only like a week really right or a week and a half but yeah it wasn't yeah he's been consistent he's been consistent all year and he's if you say how if you if like at the end of the year is like did igor give us a chance to win when he was in net the answer was always yes like they didn't lose we watched we how many games have we watched the the flyers lose because carter hart and elliot were just bad you know or uh you know black mackenzie blackwood had was bad at times this season just wasn't giving his team a chance to win i Igor was not. I, I can't say he was ever, you know. And yeah, you know, obviously credit to the Rangers for at least on their their special teams, their penalty kills, but so much better. And even for their own, you know, the breakdowns they had the last game, they have been better on their own end when they're not signed to collapse for a stupid reason, let guys walk into the slot all the time, which is something they're going to have to address. Um, but but yeah, they um, it's uh, yeah, Igor 
and Gior- I'll even say Georgiev, how he's kind of found his game. They had a chance to win, so you can't put any of their struggles this year on them. Right, and, you know, it's just, it's, you know, after having, you know, Hank for so long and just, like, not really having to talk about goaltending still without him has been unbelievable. And, you know, you just look at teams like the Colorado Avalanche and um, and then compared to, like, the Winnipeg Jets who have had, you know, um, uh, like, outstanding goaltending. And, you know, those two teams are to- built totally different that, you know, you saw one team get ousted of the playoffs last year because of goaltending. And then you see, you know, uh, like a Winnipeg Jets team that you're like, you know, maybe they can steal the division and goaltending is a huge part of that. So um, I just think, you know, for the Rangers right now, for us to really not have to talk about goaltending is uh, a blessing in disguise. And just like, again, one less thing that we have to worry about as this team, you know, develops and, and finds their identity. Um, but overall, Andy, any, any closing you know thoughts as we wrap this podcast up? I, I mean, we covered a lot, and you know, today was tough. It was a tough one. It wasn't, you know, I wish you know there was more positive things to talk about, but it does look like you know we are on the verge of getting mathematically eliminated as the Penguins and, and Capitals have you know clinched playoff spots. Well, you, you definitely you're in these these final two weeks of the season. You're looking to see how this team kind of responds when the pressure's off they're probably will end up playing better because it's like oh there's no pressure anymore <laughs> and they'll win all their games and it still won't matter you know they'll just miss by an even more frustrating margin but um yeah i we i hope we see the kids get the lion's share of the ice time um and it's yeah i mean because that's obviously that's what the season really has been. And I think, honestly, I think at the end of the day, because we'll do a post-mortem on the season once it's finally over, so I don't want to go into it too much. But, you know, in terms of how the front office and, the, hell, even the coaching staff viewed this season, like their expectations and what they were looking for, um, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot, yeah, I think a, a lot of it is really just their one of their biggest things was, all these infl- this influx of young players we now have in our system, like where do they slot in? What does their ceiling look like based on what we can see on the ice? Uh, you know, and I, so I think if anything, this, this is the time, you know, we, we've seen, they've brought up Morgan Barron and, and reunions here, you know, injuries have opened up some, some spots for some of these young guys and, but you have to play them. Like, even if it's like, it's going to hurt you in terms of winning these games down the stretch. I, you just need to see what these guys look in these spots that they might eventually slot into. You know, I think now's the time, right? It's because you were trying to play and do the bench management. That, well, it's over. It's play the young guys. <laughs> yeah, play play the guys who are the future of this team, not not the ones who are going to be, you know, picked up in, in the expansion draft or traded or just, you know, walk for, for you know, in, in free agency. So... Right. Yeah, so that's what I want to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, this I feel like this offseason is going to be pretty fascinating for Rangers fans considering, you know, all the options. And which is good. It gives us something to talk about once this team is, <laughs> is eliminated. But um, yeah, I mean, we're coming down to the end here and it looks like some of the younger guys, you know, Lafreniere seems to finally have found his stride. Let's see if Kako can kind of build upon uh, his his improved two way play, you know, cause he's been, he's looked great, but he's also, his scoring has been very streaky. And yeah, like I said, it's just the, 
I think it's almost like we've been saying we've been seeing these young guys slide in all season, and but like you know, kind of it's kind of like the future is now, right? It's just uh, you finally understand what the goal is moving forward or what elements need to improve, and I think that kind of helps you in terms of looking at your prospect pool and your just players in your organization. It's like who's going to slide and where. So, but yeah, they're they're tough decisions. I definitely don't envy having to make because when you have these young guys, it's like you know. Uh, you're, you're, you got to pick which ones you're going to take the bet on to, to keep and which ones you're going to ultimately, you know, trade and hope they don't, they don't, they don't boom too hard, you know, but it should be fascinating. I mean, this is just a long way winded way of saying my really hope is even though I don't know if I, if I have the stomach to watch it tonight, but uh, just don't get embarrassed again, please. I just, I don't know if I can take the disappointment. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.